for me, the greatest thing is, is, you know, seeing your picture in a magazine, but yet it's also the marriage of type and copy and design. It's not just the, it's not just the picture or they chose a good one. It's like, I want to see the whole package and I want to, I want to see, you know, what they've done to design it. I want to see how they've chosen the openers. From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is the LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here's your host, Brian Formals. We're here with Andrew Hetherington, editorial photographer, uh, native of uh, Dublin. And how long have you been in New York City now? Coming up on, I will be 21 years in August. Holy smokes. Wow. So, um, yes, That's, almost half my life here. Yeah. Yeah, I assume that you're enjoying your time in New York, huh? So far, so good. So yes. far, so, so good. So far, so good. Yeah. So you, uh, I think we, we first met kind of through the blogosphere um, way back in the day. As you used to back then, yes. As you used to, yeah, yeah. You were one of the innovators uh, with the, what's the Jack and Ori, right? Jack and Ori. Jack and Ori. Uh, I'm not sure if innovator was the word. I think it was a fear of getting left behind was the, <laughs> <laughs> was the initial reason. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was a very, it was a great blog, gave you that insight into the editorial world. And then it was kind of in the heyday of the blogs and everything exploded. And then you kind of, uh, kind of adopted the other social media tools and it evolved into uh, you're using Instagram and your Tumblr. And it's a little bit less, uh, less, uh, diaristic than it was in the past. But yeah, I mean, I think it all, I think that the, the blogging game has changed. And I think Facebook and Twitter and Instagram did change that. Whereas, whereas the thing for me was that, while I the the initial idea was was not just of course it was a self promotional promotion tool of sorts but the idea was to feature other people and then I think you know and and to go and find these people so it almost became my own magazine in a way so I would create my own content and just have fun with that and then I but I think it was important to be original and and not just kind of add you know r repeat the same mm -hmm. thing so I, I think when Facebook and Twitter came along it just kind of changed the game somewhat and there just seemed to be like a never ending source of content and you know just the just the uh, the clutter just mm -hmm. seemed to be to be and the clutter is um, <laughs> nonstop, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a good you know it was a good run. Like all good things, that, yeah. you know, it came to an end. But you're because you're far too busy out in the world making photographs and taking jobs, and you're all over the place. I mean, on your Instagram, you always you always do the backseat of the the plane when you're wherever you're going. And I swear to God, it's like weekly you're going somewhere else. Or is that just the impression I'm getting? Oh, through that's Instagram? just the impression you're getting through impression. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, I kind of, I like to have fun with all the media. You know, the same was the same with the blog and then, you know, with Instagram and the, it's fun to kind of just challenge yourself to yeah. do these little things. And I think the plane seat thing happened just was one of those random things where uh, you know, now and again, most most of the time, I wouldn't you know let my wife know what flight I was on. I would forget to tell her, and then you know, God forbid something happened, she wouldn't know. You know, she wouldn't know where I was. So I just started off. First of all, I think just tweeting what flight I was on, so they could find me if it ever didn't make it to the destination. And then <laughs> bleak, and then you know, a little bleak. But you know, and then once Instagram came, I was like, oh, you can put a picture up there too. So yeah. and then you know, I've always been interested in in, in repetition and mm -hmm. kind of having an ongoing project over time, kind of like the room with a view project I did. Mm -hmm. That, mm -hmm. um, and it just seemed to make sense to kind of photograph the back of the mm -hmm. seat. Just all of a sudden, it was like, whereas before I was 
trying to make a picture in the plane somehow, make something cool. I was like, oh, maybe it's just right there. Yeah. It's kind of fun. So it's kind yeah. of become a, you know, now I'm like the plane guy. People, <laughs> you're the guy who takes yeah. the photographs the seats yeah. of the plane. But. Well, I, lo- I love in, in your bio on your on your website, you say like if you weren't a photographer that you'd be a, a, a speed race car driver. A Formula One race car yeah, driver. Yeah, Formula One race car driver or a football. Amy, right? Amy High, yes. Yeah, yes. so you really like the adventure. I mean, that's even looking at all of your photographs, I mean, you're kind of like all over the place and you like to be in the middle of excitement, you know, cultural excitement. It's kind of like the gist I get out of it, you know? I'm very fortunate because people send me and put me into the middle of things that I would never normally have access to or even know about. And that's what really, really kind of rocks my boat. And you just, you, you never know. I mean, in terms of, you know, as a working editorial photographer, maybe the assignment itself, you know, the pictures aren't, that memorable mm-hmm. or it's just it's just a tough job but sometimes you know the drive to the location can just you know you turn that corner you're like wow look at that what's that or just you know getting off the highway or going into someone's office or meeting someone I mean these are you know things that you just I've like that are just ultimately I hate to say priceless but you just can't put your put your finger on it and yeah it's, it's, access is access is key and when someone else has kind of arranged this access for you and it, and people are expecting you it kind of changes the changes the game somewhat. Yeah. I mean, it's the life. I mean, that's kind of like the life you want to be have as an editorial photographer. That's I think. I mean, from the people that I've talked to, it's like kind of that's why they get into it. It's like you get an assignment, and next thing you know, you're thrown off into a completely different world. And I remember, I think, talking to you a while back when you you did um, you photographed Bill Clinton, and you said you had something like. What was it like? Four or five minutes, or three, two minutes to well, go? It wasn't that bad. I think yeah. we had, I think we had fifteen no, in total. 15. But, but it was, it was. Uh, Bill likes to talk, so that 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 eats into your fifteen minutes considerably. Your fifteen minutes becomes, you know, ten minutes, which becomes five minutes. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm lucky because I get to do a, a, a huge variety of different assignments, whether it be a portraiture or kind of reportage style, or or maybe a travel-based piece or maybe a food piece mm-hmm. um, or, or a celebrity kind of cover or a concept-driven you know, image. So in that way, it keeps it keeps things interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, so it's that versatility that kind of you think is what brings you, I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I always seem like somebody, you, you create one kind of signature style and like that's your thing, but it seems like you said you have this like versatile toolbox that you can always like bring out and it, do different things. It takes time, <laughs> a lot of time. I, I mean, I, and I preach this too. In the beginning, you really have to be that specialist mm-hmm. in editorial photography. You have to, you know, kind of hone hone your look so that editors know, you know, what they're hiring and what it is you do. And if you're starting out, it's most likely that, you know, they will have seen an image that they liked, whether it be on your site or at a portfolio review or, you know, with your book. And you know, they will hire you for a particular project and they will have that shot in mind. So if you shoot black and white on a brick wall and that's all you showed, you know, all of a sudden you, do, you don't do color with, with, you know, with crazy after effects. You know, yeah, so yeah. you kind of stick to the script. But in my case, I've had a, a long career. I, I started off when I first moved here, I wanted to be a fashion photographer. Um, and I assisted um, a number of fashion photographers and... Um, you know, over time kind of realized that I wasn't ever going to be a really great fashion photographer. And I was also getting older and the girls were getting younger. And I just, it just didn't, it just didn't, it just wasn't me anymore. And I, I'm a big fan of fashion photography and the art form, but you really have to, you have to live it and breathe it and be interested in fashion and be interested in this whole thing. Um, so over time, um, 
you know, I realized that I wasn't going to be the next Steve Meisel or Jurgen Teller and um, kind of figured out that I needed to, you know, kind of move, move on or move in a different direction. And it, it helped at the time that, that there was a, I think there was a shift in editorial photography where things kind of changed from the, you know, the Annie Leibovitz, you know, highly produced Vanity Fair images of the 90s and the early aughts where there was just a, like, you know, there was more accepting of, mm-hmm. of um, you know, there's a lot of photographers coming through and just kind of doing things slightly differently. And for me, it all started because I used to um, print, uh, do my own C printing at uh, Print Space in Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And, um, and at the time, everyone shot C41 and, you know, most young photographers uh, printed their own work both to save money and to make a little bit of money on the side. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you go in there and you'd see Martin Scholler just starting out with his big heads or Brian Fink doing the, um, you know, the cheerleaders. And, and then you'd see how, how they, and all of a sudden you'd see how this transformed into editorial work, how they were being hired to do that, but yet do that style, but yet for a story commissioned by a magazine. So um, I gradually started to put two and two together and figured, you know, well, I've, I've kind of... I've kind of always liked portraits and travel and all this sort of stuff. And, and I have to say, you know, when I was kind of beating the fashion drum, I had a, a music book and a portrait book and all these books. So mm-hmm. uh, I would go to a meeting and have all these different portfolios and people wouldn't know what to hire me for mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it was like, what do you, so what do you do? And it's all kind of nice, but nothing's really great. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, so yeah, that all changed when I saw that and I kind of figured out again, you know, the, the, obviously these, these other people had done the personal project mm-hmm. and, you know, I picked, I, I figured out something that I wanted to do and, and did it and, and started, that started to kind of change things for me. So was there like a, was there a no, I know PDN 30 was, it's kind of a big deal. Was that, was that a noticeable shift? Like do you think in the way people perceive that like, was massive for me? Massive. Well, it was 2003. Uh-huh. So I didn't have a website and most photographers didn't have a website. And you know, the way yeah. the web, you know, you went on portfolio meetings with your portfolio. Uh-huh. You didn't, you know, it was, it was, I mean, is it traditional? I don't know if that's the right way. It was, was it old school? I don't know if, but that's how it was done back then. So a lot of, you know, a lot of editors and, and art buyers at ad agencies, you know, they got very excited by the PDN 30 every year because it was a way to, to find out what was going on and to find, you know, new talent, not necessarily young talent in my case, because I wasn't under 30 at the time. <laughs> and they, they got rid of that. So there was, you know, there was a, definitely a sense of anticipation, mm-hmm. Uh, more so then than I think now. Um, I think now it's it's changed. You'll probably be aware of most of the photographers in the mm-hmm. in the in the thirty, um, and also it was a big deal because um, you know it was it was I realized at the time, having been in the business for a while, that that this was a huge opportunity, and and I needed to I need to. They, I think they, they told us in December and it was for the March issue. So I knew I had three months to ramp up my promotion campaign, which basically meant, you know, get some sort of mailer together, get some books together. And then as soon as it dropped, just be like ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd also hone my style uh, working on this project I did back then called Made in Ireland, which mm-hmm. was, which was, it was really an extension of what I've been doing already, but in a way I'd, I'd honed it down and, you know, it was all medium format, shot on um, negative, and just using one simple Q flash mm-hmm. to light it. And and the whole idea being is, I wanted to take portraits. I want to be able to take a portrait inside, but then maybe go outside, and then maybe do a landscape at the same time or a detail. And mm-hmm. I definitely had a had a had a strong vision of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's been. 2003. I mean, it's weird thinking back like that's 12 years now. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> you get to that point Go where class of 2003. Yeah, yeah, you get to that point where you with aging and it's like, man, that was a really long time ago, but I can kind of vividly remember, you know, that time period. And it feels like these days like I don't, you know, 
like the 70s, 80s, and even 90s to me have that kind of distinct decade feel to it. But after- You're showing your age now, bro. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You hit into like the 2000s though, and now it just all seems like it's all blending together. And I wonder if that's just because- Again, like we're getting older, or if it's like if culturally because of the internet, there's just been that bleeding together that, you know, there isn't a signature kind of style of the last. Yes, well, maybe maybe, I'd be curious to ask someone who was our age in the '90s what they thought about the '40s and the '50s and the '60s. Would they they have the same? Would they have the same? um, Feel the same way about it? Yeah, I just need more perspective on it. Like enough time hasn't really passed to define whatever that was. But it's also (laughs) that ongoing conversation about the internet that we have too, as well of how it just you know changes the way we communicate with each other, the way we find photographers, we follow that. But also, I just think like. Again, like you have that bleeding of, of styles where like it's pretty easy to mix things together. Now you can see stuff from, you know, any different time period showing up on one Tumblr and it's all kind of like homogenized into this big stew, you know? Well, I mean, so do you think it's difficult these days for an editorial photographer, like you said, to really kind of develop, still develop a signature style or something that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think I don't no. I don't think so I don't think so I mean I think it's it's um, I mean there's just no end to to um, to new talent and exciting mm-hmm. talent and you know it can get it can get a little overwhelming mm-hmm. just in terms of you know what's just in general what's coming down the feed every day you know between all the you know the the time time blog or the lands blog or the mm-hmm. New Yorker I mean it's just amazing how many how many just unbelievable projects are just constantly coming down right. like every day it just seems to be just uh, you know, I don't know, a lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It just seems to be a lot. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, I think it's I think it's difficult to to. Um, it can be hard to get more than fifteen seconds. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It just seems that that there just seems to be it seems to be nonstop. Yeah, and I I was you know when everyone talks to me, I was like, all the editorial photographers I know in New York City are like the most stressed photographers yeah. <laughs> that I've ever met. I mean, they're just it's because it's a high it's a high it seems like a high stress kind of like like profession and like you're always hustling you're always going you're doing things people i mean they you really kind of have to i feel like but i think you've i mean on photographers on all types of photographers <laughs> on, the, on the hustle i mean yeah, i think it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. i think it's you know it can be a very stressful yeah um you know unless you've got maybe i hang out with too many art photographers yeah. well, well, like, well art photographers are real <laughs> chill and and because uh, they've kind of given up they're just like there's no <laughs> there's no possible way like i'm not what am i gonna land in some big gallery or like my you're not gonna make any money putting out a book so they're kind of like resigned to the fact so that you're saying like, that all <laughs> art, art photographers have given up you, you heard it first here on the LPV, <laughs> LPV pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcast number 27. 27. I mean, there's so many different magazines that, you know, I mean, you know, if you look at, you know, the, I mean, the benchmark would be the New York Times magazine. And obviously, you know, they do commission a wide variety of photographers, mm-hmm. fine art photographers, um, still life photographers, editorial photographers, and often go out, you know, often kind of really go out on a limb and we'll, we'll, we'll hire someone, you know, that you've never even most half the issue you've probably never heard of photographers mm-hmm. in that in, the, in that you know particular issue. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you might you know are there too many photographers? Not <laughs> enough work. You know that's that. Yeah. You know, I mean, but I think that's the same in any any you know any artistic endeavor, any profession oh, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, acting, music. I mean, there's no. It's you know, always been competitive. It's yeah, always been it's competitive. All, yeah, life yeah. is life is life is competitive. Yeah, you got to kind of you know. I, it took me a while to kind of find my flow of the stuff that I'm really interested in. But now once you kind of get into it, it's like 
just work, you know? I <laughs> think it always seems like the older I get, the people that are really successful are like the hardest workers. I mean, it's kind of a cliche, it, but it's so true. You have to work hard, yes. Yeah. Yes, you can't just think that it's all going to roll up and, you know, and it's yours for the taking. Yeah. I mean, the people I do admire the most are people who have long careers. And that is really, that is that is something that, that does not come easy. And it is not, it's something that involves obviously a lot of hard work and sacrifice and adapting over time. Because if you're, you know, we're talking a long career, which is a 30, 40, mm-hmm. maybe even a 50 year career. And that, you know, that is something that, you know, I mean, how many one hit wonders have we had in whatever you know, music, whatever, you know, right. just, just, you know, people come and go all the time. Yeah. 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 So I was, in, I, I was browsing through your website and you have a lot of, I, l- I like all the, under your projects and you have all these like personal or these essays, photo essays, projects, and man, there was one that really just caught my attention. It was the dark matter one. Dark matter. You went to Minnesota and uh, there was an, Minnesota. Ep- there was an episode of the universe, which is a show I watched and they did on their episode, dark matter. They went, Part of it was where they were trying to like capture it, and then when I saw this on yours, I was like, "Holy smokes, that's awesome!" He actually went there, and I love the photo. So, what was like, what prompted you to go and seek that out? How did you? Well, that was a commission. Okay. So on this, on this, I mean, I'm fortunate again that a lot of the commissions I get mm-hmm. are mini projects in themselves, mm-hmm. um, and that was for Wired UK, and it was it was it was two two stories actually. So we went to the Sudan mine in mm-hmm. Minnesota, which is an an all coal mine or copper mine, I'm not 100% sure. And they have experiments to find dark matter because you've got to find dark matter away from the light and the yeah. sun and you know and all that, that stuff. And then the second part of the story was going to Italy where they're also searching for dark matter. And this time the lab was a little bit more, um, a little more high tech and was built under a mountain. Um, so, um, so yeah, that was kind of, I think that was probably also one of the first stories I did completely digitally. Um, I remember being a bit clueless too. I was like, "Ooh, look, this looks good. Let me just handhold this at you know seventy two hundred ISO." And you know, but anyway. So, did you learn anything about dark matter? Did anything rub off from hanging out with the physicists? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're gonna you're gonna solve are you gonna solve it. So what are they doing down there? They're still they're still looking <laughs> they're for dark. I think they're still, still looking for dark matter. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the extent of it. That's, that's the about ex- all I know that's about. That's about all I know. They're, <laughs> they're still searching for dark matter. Yes. Yeah, but you also, I mean, I, this is kind of maybe uh, a little bit of a strange uh, transition, but we'll go from dark matter to Kid Rock. Because <laughs> you did like uh, the the Kid Rock photos, I thought were amazing too. Like, how did that come about? So that was for GQ, and that was my that was my second second cruise ever, and the first cruise I did about three months previously, which was for Travel and Leisure magazine, and it was a very much more sedate affair, as you can imagine. Um, lots of elderly rich people on, <laughs> on, a, on a on a rather fine ship. So this this came in, and the genre of the musical cruise is very popular. And the company that runs this particular cruise does cruises with Kiss and Leonard Skinner and all this, you know, all these people. And they also do like you know uh, PBS Book Hour and all sorts of crazy cruises. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Um, this one was was four days on a boat with Kid Rock and twenty five hundred of his nearest dearest fans oh, and, wow. and other bands, and I gotta say it was um, good times. <laughs> huh. um, you know, I kind of sometimes you get a little anxious when you're going into an assignment because you, I'm always anxious to make that first picture, like mm-hmm. to kind of get going, to kind of get stuck in. And in this particular case, I, I remember being particularly relaxed because I knew that we've four days here. 
you know, you don't need to panic. You don't need to like hit it, hit the ground running. You can just take in the scene. You can try and figure out what's going on. Ultimately, you know, everyone's captive on this ship, so it's not like they're going to run off. I mean, we did. So what happens is you go out to sea. They have shows on the boat, and then they have this this you know this island that the cruise co- ship company owns. They set up a stage, so every day you would get off and you know go to a concert, and people would hang out and drink and have a good time. Um, but it was it was really great. It was a lot of fun. Um, I have to say, you know, everyone was for a lot of people. Um, this was their big vacation of the year, and it was not cheap. So they were there to have a good time, and they didn't mind having their <laughs> photograph taken at all, which is a big help. Uh-huh. And I have to say, the music was actually surprisingly good. I'm not a big Kid Rock fan, but he he personally um, curates the musicians that are on the cruise and. We had like Trombone Shorty from New Orleans and there was a couple other bands that were like, man, this is, you know, this isn't just this like, you know, bad, you know, bad rock or yeah. bad rap rock yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And he was cool. We hung with him a little bit. He was kind of hard to, hard to, hard to, um, kind of hard to pin down, but he, he likes to mix it up with the fans and he likes to have a drink and he likes to have a good time. And, you know, if you were into it and into him, you would certainly, you know, it was enjoyable. I have to say it was, you know, it was, it was pretty much nonstop, but yeah. good times. So if you have, if you're out on a four day shoot like that, how are you just waking up and you're shooting all day? Like how many photos do you bring back? Oh, thousands. For four, of, thousands? Yes. I mean, so you're making more, you're making more photos in those four days than I make in the entire Three years. <laughs> mm, that's possible. Yeah, possible. So you just, I mean, you're just busting off. You know, something like that, there's obviously a schedule to the day mm-hmm. in terms of what, what events there are going to be in terms of concerts or contests. And, and there would be certain things. In this case, I was with the writer, too, who, who, um, who was involved in some of the contests, which was great. And this guy, Drew McGarry, who was, excuse me, who was excellent. And, you know, it was definitely a kind of collaborative effort. But yet I could roam. And, you know, and there's, you know, people are drinking at nine o'clock in the morning. So, you know, stuff's happening. <laughs> parties yeah. happening, yeah, parties going on. And again, you know, again, it is difficult sometimes because you can, um, you can be wandering for hours, on, you know, at an event like this, you know, because there's, you can wander for hours without finding a picture because it, you might miss it. It might be behind you. You might have, you might, maybe it's best to stay in one spot and wait for it to come to you or... You know, again, you might get anxious to try and make something, and then you kind of start walking the boat, and you don't really see anything. Mm. You're like, ah, like, what am I, what am I, what am I going to do here? But, mm-hmm. but yeah, you end up, always end up finding the shot, huh? Or is it um, a shot or something? You, you work, you work hard. <laughs> I, you know, I always, I, I definitely try and. You don't phone these things in. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to work hard. You have to put the time in. Um, yeah, it's, it's. You can have a good time, but ultimately, I have a client. And I'm a professional, and I need to do I need to do a job, and whatever that entails, to to make sure that I come back with the goods. So when you come back, now you come back with all these photos, and you do what? How how many of them do you end up sending to a client? What's your like base edit that you send? It depends over? on the job. Mm-hmm. A job like this, there's so many moving parts, and there's so many different pictures. It's not a straight portrait. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we got some portraits of Kid Rock, and then there's three days of you know just full on reportage. So mm-hmm. I will I will you know, cherry pick what I think is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you don't know where the story is really going to go because at this stage, the story hasn't been written. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, you've got to remember that, you know, growing up in the seventies and the eighties, magazines were all we had. And in Ireland, we had four TV channels. So four TV channels and then, you know, mm-hmm. a load of magazines. Mm-hmm. So that's what I grew up on. So I've always, you know, magazines, that's why I've always been like fascinated and had a love affair with magazines. It's just, they've always been part of my life. So, you know, for me, the greatest thing is, is, you know, seeing your picture in a magazine, 
but yet it's also the marriage of type and copy and mm. design. It's not just the it's not just the picture. Oh, they chose a good one. It's like I want to see the whole package. Mm. I want to I want to see you know what they've done to design it. I want to see how they've chosen the opener. Is the opener you know mm. off, more often more often than not, what happens is, you know, you think you might have an opening shot that makes sense, and, and that's you know for a lot of the time in a story like that, that's where the pressure is to to mm. to find that opening scene that could tell the story in one picture. Um, because a lot of the time space will be limited after that, after the opening spread between text and images and, and whatnot. So you kind of want to, you, and, you know, and sometimes you miss it or you don't see it or, you know, the best times the art director or photo director has picked out an image that you wouldn't even thought would, <laughs> but when they put it all together and put the type mm-hmm. on it, you're like, oh man, that's genius. Mm-hmm. That's really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of edit, it's different, different all the time. I shoot a lot. So I usually a big edit, mm-hmm. and I sometimes find that us as photographers aren't our own best editors. Oh sure, sure. Because we're emotionally attached mm-hmm. to things we shouldn't be. And that was kind of that kind of was going to roll into what I. I mean, this is what I've. I love. You know, I'm a big fan of editors, copy editors, photo editors, any type of editors. I just think it's, it's a very difficult skill, and it takes a lot of time and never like anything to kind of get good. What so? What have you learned from? You've worked with photo editors for these all these 15 years or your entire career, what have you learned? Are there any like core lessons you've learned from photo editors that you, you know, think are kind of like important tenets that you, people should, I mean, something that would make basically any photographer could kind of learn, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there, I think that, you know, what's important to me is that I get an outline of what it is um, I'm going to do or -hmm. what they would like me to do. Mm -hmm. And then we, you know, we figure it out. um, Hope, you know, Hopefully they've come to you because they want you to do this job and they want you to do this job for a reason. And, you know, they've chosen you. Like, okay, well, we really like this. We, we think you'd be great for this. Kind of here's what we're thinking. A lot of the time I'm, you know, you're left up to, you know, kind of figure, figure, figure it out. Mm-hmm. But they've trusted you and they know that you'll, you know, again, after, you know, having some experience that you'll come up with, mm-hmm. with something. Um, lessons, I, I think it's really great to just have a clear overview of what it is, if you can, if it's possible, because ultimately the editor might not have the full picture either. And, you know, the pace of things these days too, there's definitely things of, have, you know, the, the speed of, of the process at times, you know, can be pretty breakneck. It's mm-hmm. like, can you shoot X tomorrow and, you know, and we need an image, you know, and they haven't had time to really percolate it or figure out what, you know, what it is. So, um, you know, the good ones are really supportive, um, you know, they're, you know, certain, sometimes you have a lot of conversations about a job. Sometimes you have no conversations. It's, it's all, it's all different. Yeah. It's a big, big bag, huh? So, I mean, I, I think like we could probably talk about <laughs> editorial photography all day. I mean, you have so, I mean, there's so much, I, I was going to, Jerry Seinfeld, Jimmy Fallon, I mean, like you go through your whole thing and there's just like a laundry list of all these, all these guys. What about working with like the, these famous guys? I mean, what's, how do you, you got to put on the charm or something. How do you catch, you know, this is what they do for a living is in front of a camera, right? And like, this is what you do for a living is you make you photographs. Behind the cameras, yeah. Yeah, so there's that meeting of like, everyone knows what the role is here. You're the performer, he's the photographer. Okay. So like you get into that situation. And then they, and then they want to know what your idea is. <laughs> oh, really? So we're going to do what? And yeah. then, so that's when it can get a little tricky, depending on if it's, if it's like more concept driven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do they really want to be there? Mm-hmm. Um, are they excited to be there? Are they excited by your ideas? And if they don't like something, um, you know, what's what's next? So it can be a little, you know, pressure packed. Um, comedians or actors are usually easier mm-hmm. because, you know, they are performers. So that helps. 
Um, you know, in a, in, a, in Jerry's case, it is a it is quite a good story because um, I photographed him twice, and the first time was for Newsweek with Regis Philbin, uh-huh. and it was the time when Regis was um, his last week of the whatever. What's the show he's on? Regis in the morning. and Kathy. Regis Regis and, Kathy well, yeah. well, it wasn't Kathy. It was Regis and Rip. Uh, Regis, oh, Regis, Regis, Regis and yeah, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was for, it was for this is it was for Newsweek, and Regis was obviously the uh, the focus, but um, Jerry was writing the article, and it was to come. It was coming out the week the week that that Regis was leaving the show, and it was a cover story, and. The brief was to shoot the two of them on Seamless to kind of get an iconic cover shot, mm-hmm. and then to do some reportage in the in the, on the set and get whatever you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember it clearly because um, you know I I think we would have ten minutes with the two of them and then they would do their little interview and I could kind of shoot around that. And I remember it was up at the ABC Studios on the Upper West Side, and I remember being in the car, and I remember getting the call from the photo editor to say that that Jerry didn't want to be on the cover, mm. so it was no longer a cover shoot. Mm. And in a weird way, that actually took some of the stress off mm-hmm. because um, now you know the game had changed somewhat. So you know, in terms of now, I just needed one picture, <laughs> whereas you know before I needed I needed a cover and I needed oh, I needed something for the for the feature. Um, so it took the pressure off somewhat. So we get into the studio, we set up. Um, we put the seamless up and we get ready. Uh, Regis comes in. He's great. Couldn't have been better. Jerry comes in and, oh, <laughs> I just <laughs> not. So we put the two of them on the seamless. And after three frames, he's like, are we done? Oh, no. Uh, are we done? I'm like, we're not. We're not done. We're not. We're definitely oh, not done. <laughs> and um, this is where it just, it, gets, it just gets tricky because, uh-huh. um, and now Regis is like listening to Jerry if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, we let's, yeah, let's just, we're done, right? We're done. <laughs> so, um, so I think, I think we got another couple of minutes out of them. Uh-huh. And I just remember there was one moment when, when, again, it can be tough. You've got two guys in the seamless. What are they going to do? Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, they're not the coolest looking guys in the world. <laughs> you know, there's a little pudge on there. Yeah. And, you know, and Jerry's got his, damn white sneakers, dad jeans, and, you know, bad blazer, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. So th- there was a point when when just playfully um, Jerry reached over to fix Regis's tie, and I knew that was it. And I was like, hang on, hang on, stop, stop, stop. I just I have to get this. Mm-hmm. So, so we got it, and then they went in to kind of do a little interview. I shot a little bit of that and then shot them kind of walking out. And then Jerry was out, stage left, and then Regis was, hey, what do you guys want to do? You want to come up the office? You want to take some more <laughs> yeah. pictures? He was great. So he yeah. was, he, you know, a real pro. And um, and then the picture ended up being on the cover for whatever for whatever huh. reason. I'm not 100% sure what happened. I'm sure politics entered into it and, and negotiations. So the second time I photographed um, Seinfeld was about 18 months later uh, for The Hollywood Reporter. And it was just Seinfeld. And it was to do with his comedians in cars with coffee web series. And um, cover story, so cover image and inside stuff. And this was conceptual mm-hmm. in terms of like we need, you know, the magazine is looking for ideas. They're looking for you to have some ideas. Um, so um, Coffee with Cars has been nominated for an Emmy, um, web, web, best web series. Mm-hmm. And I came up with some ideas and we had some props there. And my big idea was a, was a, uh, was a car, vintage car outside filled with coffee cups that, <laughs> that, that Jerry would be put in. So we were to have an hour with him and... Um, Again, I was nervous because the last time, I, you know, I didn't feel any sort of a connection. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly didn't get a Christmas card or anything. <laughs> and, um, and um, you know, he, 
so his people had asked for us to send him the, our ideas so they could approve them beforehand. And he was on vacation or something, so that didn't happen. Mm. So he, you know, with Publis and Toe, walks into the studio, and I basically have to pitch him right there. It's the elevator pitch. I have to pitch him my four ideas right there. <laughs> so it's me and Jerry. Um, <laughs> and, you know, ultimately he will, you know, decide yes or no. Um, so we had a few ideas in the studio and, and he shot like half of them down, which is a shame because some of them I thought were pretty good, but he wouldn't do them. And then, you know, I pitched him, here's my big one. Here's my, here's my big one. It's like, it's out now. The, the difficulty was cause we were in a studio, but the car was in the street. Are you going to be okay going into the street and all this other stuff? And he was fine. Wanted to know what car it was and all this stuff. So he was, he, he was good. He was great. And swears he remembers me from the, from the, uh, from the, from the, from the <laughs> That's funny. From, I was going to ask. I was like, does he remember yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. It was all good. Yeah. I, you know, I'm usually a bumbling idiot, but what, but the fascinating thing was cause I was really fascinated about the, um, the comedians with coffee and cars. And I was just, again, you know, there are lessons to be learned, um, talking with these people. And I, you know, again, I am fascinated, fascinated by the internet and what we can do with it and how we can have fun with it and mm-hmm. how we can be creative. And just even talking to him, you know, it was kind of great. It was like, you know, he got the idea and then he kind of, you know, first of all, he, he, he paid for it himself. The first series, mm-hmm. obviously he got the, you know, he got the sponsorship mm-hmm. after that, but just talking about how, you know, he can, the episodes of this show can be as long as he wants. Mm-hmm. If he's got 18 minutes, it's 18 minutes. It doesn't have to fit a network 24 minutes. And it was little things like this. So it's fascinating then that if you get an opportunity to hang out with these people and, you know, if you're mildly interested in them and if, if there is any time for conversation. Um, so that was it, yeah, Jerry Seinfeld. Wow. And now you're on uh, Photographers on Mike talking about photo books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that was very uh, exciting. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to take a quick five minute break. I mean, the books you brought are amazing. I so, mean, this is, I'm really excited about So these the books, books are all, getting back to earlier, yeah, yeah. I, I should have said, the books are all like from the 90s, 80s, <laughs> 70s. And we'll, 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 come back, we'll come back and we'll come back in a few minutes here and, 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 and have a good discussion about the books. some amazing books here. I mean, really, thank you. I mean, we're so, we feel so lucky. I mean, we, Tom and I keep talking and it's like, how do we, how did we ever convince anyone to bring like these type of, this stash of photo books? And really it was when we started out with this idea of doing it about photo books, it was like, yeah, it'd be cool to sit and talk about photo books. But oh, as it's evolved, it's like what people bring is just like these surprises. And it's the more I've done it, I was like, that is exactly how I want to engage with photo books. I want, I want this person brings in, like, this is what they're passionate about. They think like I might be interested in. And every single time it's like, what, what is this? So the first one you brought and this, you said this was a huge influence on you was John Hind. And this one, this one's called our true intent is all for your delight. Um, introduction by Martin Parr. So with this book, um, it's uh, photographs that John Hind and John Hind photographers mm-hmm. took of uh, Butlin's um, summer holiday camps in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily that this book was a huge influence. It was that John Hind was, unbeknownst to me, a huge influence. Mm-hmm. So John Hind um, had a, um, had a basically, you know, did 
and made and photographed holiday postcards. So when I was a child growing up in Ireland, you know, what did we see all the time with these holiday postcards of these idyllic scenes? But the catch was, was the colors. Like the colors were always like, you know, it was like the Kodachrome, just crazy, crazy blue sky. And there was always primary colors in the photograph. So when this book came out, um, I was just kind of fascinated, not having spent any time in a Butlins or any of this, but just kind of fascinated in these, in these, in these photographs and these scenes. Um, and what was more fascinating, actually, was, the, was that there are interviews in the back with several of the photographers who um, worked for John Hind. And um, I had really no idea that, that where I grew up in Dublin was only a few short miles from where the studio and the printing press was. Mm. Um, and I do have a weird family connection. My uncle, um, my uncle, not in the original printing press, but um, he actually was the mechanic on the, on the printers mm. um, for, for, wow, I don't even know, 30, 40 years. Um, so, you know, like all things, postcards aren't, what they used to be, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of John Hind has gone into other things, but this for me was just just the, there's something about the colors and the composition, and um, perhaps a little bit of nostalgia. Although I'm not being nostalgic for for because I you know this isn't my youth. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe these pictures would be from the 50s and the 60s, um, but just the again if, if if it's it's the process the 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 amount of uh, work that went into taking these pictures. Um, Obviously, a lot of them are, are, are set up um, and quite technical. Um, and just, they are just really, um, so when this came out, I was just totally blown away. Ha, have you seen, have you seen the photos on the wall? Has he, like, I would love to see these, like, just huge, you know, seeing just like huge, massive prints would be brilliant. I don't think I have. I'm trying to think, was there, was there, a, an exhibition? Was, there was there an exhibition? I don't know. I believe, just kind of reading the, the foreword that, some of John Hines pictures are in our you know Irish National Gallery and so on and so forth but uh, but to think that ultimately these were like postcards is 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 really hard mm-hmm. to believe mm-hmm. cuz it is i mean it's really the detail in the book it's like i'm amazed at like you said i mean the details and just like the interactions between oh, so, so many so many subjects and i love photos where you have I always said, like, how many how many people can you cram into the frame, and like, how many different interactions can you have going on? That is like, you know, in, in shooting street photography, like, that's one thing I always try to do, even though I don't shoot street anymore, for the record. Um, but like, something like this is you get that sense, and like that, those are some of my favorite photos. Is like you're bringing in multiple little worlds into one frame, mm-hmm. and it's like that is photography, like right there, you know. Oh, there's multiple there's multiple layers of stuff going on yeah. here when you start to when you start to really look into these photos. Reminds me a lot of uh, Jacques Tati's uh, playtime, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where there's these huge scenes are orchestrated and everyone's in the right place. And you might, you must remember that this was at the time this was as high tech as like this these holiday camps were as luxurious mm-hmm. and high tech as it got, and you know it just kind of it's, <laughs> takes you back. Yeah, this is this is I really so uh, big up to Martin Parr for um, for um, you know. Figuring this out. Yeah. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Martin. Uh, I believe he's not your most favorite. Oh, come on now. <laughs> come on now. We love Martin Parr. Everyone loves Martin Parr. He's, he's, you can't, I mean, he's he's everywhere. What are you going to say about Martin Parr? Works hard, has a long career. It works hard, has a long Well, he's a good, cur- good uh, editor, too. There curator. you go. Uh, so you're going to tell her. Go-sees. So, and go-sees. you had to explain to me go-sees because I'm not, you know. 
So I'm uh, ignorant the the fashion world. So I'm going to read from the book real okay. quick and tell you what a ghostie is apparently to um, so again educate you, you must remember that I um, started out as a fashion photographer. So, a go-see is a particular kind of vetting process in the fashion industry. Unlike a casting, the go-see is conducted without the prospect of a definite commission. As an open-ended yet structured encounter between the photographer and his subject, the stakes are nevertheless high and the expectations intense. This is a model's testing ground, a trial of sorts, with the proviso that neither the photographer nor model, who is also who is also known as a GOSI, is working to meet the requirements of a specific requirement. Specific assignment. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sorry. Yeah. So that's the GOSI. And this is all, this is all, so all the photos are just, it's from all the models that have come to him over the years. Well, it's a definite period. Um, Jurgen Teller is one of my favorites for, for, for many reasons. Um, obviously the point and shoot and the flash and the, you know, I just think he's a very, very smart photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ghosties was, was, was um, photographs, basically point and shoot photographs taken over a number of years of each model that came to his studio in London on a Ghostie. And they're, you know, they're very raw. A lot of these girls came out, you know, went on to be supermodels a lot. You know, who knows if they had a, they had a career. And for me, you know, this book came out in 99 and I remember buying it in London at the time. And um, again, as a young fashion photographer, this you know, resonated with me on many, on many fronts. I, I also just love the, um, you know, the sheer volume. You know, it's, it's definitely, you know, in many ways, it's an anthropological mm-hmm. study. There's something great about the repetition um, in terms of, you know, it's basically the girls in their doorway just as they show up. And every now and again, there's a, there's a picture in there that just kind of changes, changes the mix somewhat. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, like, so once something like this gets rolling... I mean, did they like they they knew they come and they know they're gonna get their picture taken right away in the doorway? You know what I'm saying? Like, does it? Well, I think it was. I think it's easy. I mean, I think also, you know, when you show up in these ghosties, from my recollection um, back in the day, you know, you'd probably take a Polaroid of the model anyway. Mm-hmm. They give you their um, their their card, their Z card with the measurements and some photos on it. Um, so you know, they would it wouldn't be wouldn't be unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, you know, I think around this time was really when the you know, if you're thinking '98, '99, would we be correct in saying that the point and shoot kind of fashion thing was really kind of getting going would that be would that be fair enough I think you would have to tell me <laughs> but I think so I yeah. think we're we're in the we're yeah. in the right we're in the right uh we're in the right uh kind of time frame I think Yeah I love and I love the dates I love that the well, love date the, is on every single I love one the date of them. and yeah. is it chronological I believe so. so we're going October 20th October 21st Yeah so it's yeah. all chronological I love little details like that I mean that's something I did in my own self-published a book, uh, Room with a View, mm-hmm. where where I love these little details to either chronological, you know, anything chronological, mm-hmm. or perhaps you know, there's just there's some thought gone in, and it's a very simple thought. It's yeah, a, it's a genius idea. Yeah, I'm going to shoot models, and I'm just going to you know, do, we're going to do it every day, and then yeah. when we do a book, we're going to you know, put them in you know, in chronological order. How and this simple, is- saves the editing. You see how genius that is. You see, <laughs> so you don't yeah. even have to think about how you're going to um, how you're going to edit. Oh, this. for sure. For sure, and it, like you know, we we talk about nearly every episode. We talk about archives too, and building how photographers build like these massive archives of images, and like how there are so many different ways to organize that information, especially these days with like the amount of metadata we have. You know, like even this, the date and the model, like he's got all that. But you could, what if you broke it down? If you even on digital, like he knew what time of day, so you could do like how many times you could do a book of Tuesday go sees. You know. 
and then like cut it up that way as well. There's so many different ways you well, can you do it. Well, you wonder how he did it. You know, this was this was ninety eight, ninety nine. So there was no, well, there, was no there was no, yeah, there was there was something. So yeah. I did. Um, so the book is signed by Jurgen, and I I've kind of you know met him wouldn't be the right word, but we <laughs> you know he, he seems to have an opening here every year. So uh-huh. you know I'll, I'll you know I'll I'll um, you know tootle along and. Um, I say hi, and um, you know this. The one time I got him to sign this, and I can't remember what he said, but he says, "Oh, this old piece of shit or something." <laughs> it's like you know, you still got this. So anyway, he was, he was you know, he's uh, very self-effacing, yeah. just kind of you know. Oh, talk. so he's not a, he's not he's not one of those uh, type of photographers who has like a fondness for their old work. Well, I, I think that's I, I just don't yeah. think I wouldn't say that. Yeah. I would say you know he probably doesn't. I'm guessing you know everything isn't so precious, perhaps. Yeah. Absolutely. This was a time and a place and kind of moving on and, you know, sometimes you don't have to dwell. Anyway. I mean, I can just keep paging through. You're right. It's just like this this endless thing. But it's it's beautiful. But it's so simple. The idea is so simple. And that's, you know, that's always my favorite, always my favorite books. And again, in this, it's, it really is about sheer volume and it's the volume that makes it along with the simplicity. And, and another thing that I like about these type of books is that you could put this down three months later, you page through and you're going to find a photo and you're like, oh, and you know, because you can't remember every single photo on here. So every time you pick it up, it's like, oh, you find a few more. And it's like that one, this picture, you know, that picture, this time. And I'm always interested how that works. Even on, on books that are a little shorter, tighter edit, I tend to always, when I go back to it, I'll find that one new photograph. And it's like, oh, I don't know what it is. Just like maybe your experience looking at photographs or where you are in your life. It's just like that photo captures your attention at that period. And I think that's one of the reasons I really like photo books is because you're not, it's not something you're picking up every single day, but you kind of go back to when, when you feel yeah, the moment. I mean, you know? You know, for me, I, I kind of, they, they kind of stash away for a long time mm-hmm. and then I'll go, oh, you know, I'm looking for inspiration or I'm looking for something. I'll go, oh, well, let me just pull out the Jurgen Teller, you know, or the, you know. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. So your next, and now, now this one, the next book, are, are you sure you're going to say this? Is I'm going to say this, yes. yes. This is my favorite sports photography book of all, t- of all time, and it will never be beaten. <laughs> and it's, it's Hans Vandermeer, yes. right? It's who, called, who I've had the pleasure of meeting too, I think at Aperture. You, you, uh, you, you, uh, did you get a picture with him? Like a, I, can't, the I, can't, I can't, when I, when I did that back in the day. I'm, yeah. I might have, yes. Yeah. So this, it's called European Fields, a Landscape of, of Lower League Football. And you're right. I mean, this just paging through this is like the layers on these photos, and um, just the, a you've got the action. Like he always the, the attention to the action. But even the like, action is very subtle because sometimes I wouldn't use the word. You know, I'm not. It's not all action. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so this for me is the perfect marriage between you know sport and photography and just general just greatness. This mm. is this is the book you wish. <laughs> this is the book I wish I did. <laughs> Um, so basically what happened was um, Hans Vandermeer, um, Dutch photographer, uh, his first project he did um, on Dutch football field. So he goes to uh, lower league games and he sets himself up. And I, I mean, would you describe it as a landscape or a sports photograph or what? So you've never both. seen... You've yeah, never, it's yeah. both, exactly. So it's, I mean, it's, it's almost like the perfect, you know, com- combination. There's a, lot, a great deal of care gone into each location and... Um, Again, some of these, you know, some of these fields are just, you know, are where, where, the, where the matches take place mm-hmm. are just, you just can't kind of fathom it. Well, and it really does speak to just like the, the love of football too. You know what I'm saying? Like where you're going to set up these fields is like, we just want to play and we're going to find a place to play. 
Well, like, there, that's such like a core aspect of sports is like, we just want to play the game and like get us a field anywhere and we'll play, you know? Well, also, you know, this is the lower yeah. league. So this yeah. is, you know, this is way down the, the, the you know, yeah. this isn't any fancy stadium by any right. means. This is way down the, uh, the pecking order. So I do remember talking with him and, you know, he was interested in coming to the U.S. to pro- perhaps extend the, the, the project, but mm-hmm. there, these fields don't really exist here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he'd kind of gone out and scouted a little bit, maybe to try and find something. But it doesn't—it doesn't exist in the same way as 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 it, as it does in Europe. Yeah, you know what he would need to do is like amateur baseball, maybe but because it, cause it, yeah. it's a different game, a completely different game. Not as like, but like that's you know, there's amateur amateur baseball leagues, and you have parks that are kind of like yeah. all the same thing where they just put them up, and it's uh, minor, maybe all, minor league, minor or, league. I don't know, way, and way, no amateur. Way, way like, down, though. it's way down. Way down. down. This yeah. is yeah. amateur. This is like this is old. Boom, like this they is, drink in the dugout. This, this, is, this, is, this is Sunday morning this stuff. This is Sunday yeah. morning stuff. But those, I mean, I, I played for a few years right out of college, and it's just, you know, you're out there because you want to play the game. You're kind of holding on to your youth, but that maybe I'll do that. Maybe that's a new project. Maybe that's, me. yeah, there you go. Yeah. You're all set since you're no longer a street photographer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to find my, well, I, I have A lot been of ke- news today, Brian. You're making, you're dropping a lot of, <laughs> dropping a lot of uh, personal knowledge on us. I don't know. I have to, I have to throw things out there to make sure people, uh, people are under the impression that I'm using my brain. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, I really want to do something in baseball because it was like my first. Like I played all from when I was a little yeah, kid think, all the yeah. way up, and it was like there's something there, and I want. I really want to go back and revisit it. And now I'm thinking, like, how do I do it? I was going to do something maybe on on the Mets and fans or something. I have. I was working on something with like uh, doing something on Minnesota in 1991, but I just really haven't found like that hook. I think it's know? great when there is the personal hook somehow. You know, mm-hmm. when when you're invested in the project in a in a you know in, in something of a personal way. So yeah, for sure. And it's like it's also you know, I don't know a lot of it's maybe this is just me, but it feels like a lot of the photography that I'm doing now. It's like I've been going on into to Long Island and shooting like black and white. Long Island photos in the suburbs and to me it's not really it's kind of about Long Island but it's also me getting out of the city and revisiting the suburbs because I grew up in the suburbs Mm -hmm. and there's that quietness and like a different life you know so it's like this fantasy life mixed with like this nostalgia for for us you know so like that's and like that's when photography gets really hard because I feel like that is kind of like yes now I've I feel something, you know. So if you feel something about what you're doing, then you put it in the photos. Like that's, that's when they come off. And I always find, you know, I, I, so many photographers. Yeah, I feel like they're just, you know, they don't have that connection to it. They're going through the motions, you know. And I, I don't it's know. nice. I mean, you can't have the connection on everything. I think we've all done projects where mm-hmm. it just doesn't. You know, you think you're going to have the connection. <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. Like, oh, that just. Yeah. yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not easy. I mean, again, it's, you know, how many, how many projects do you have in your lifetime? Yeah. Well, and like how many, I've abandoned a lot of them too. It's yeah. like, that just sometimes doesn't it work. Just, sometimes it doesn't it? work. Yeah. You've got to, yeah, you've got to yeah. move on, but it's all good. I mean, yeah. I think it's part of the, it's part of the process. When it's good, it's good. When it's not so good, you have to know when to let it go. Yeah. So do you believe, I mean, there's kind of, there is kind of a debate going on with photo books these days. There's too many photo books being published and there's like, it's just diluting the quality or we're not in this golden age and like, why, you know, why is, are, pe- are people putting out too many photo books? What do you think? I have no idea. I, <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't pay yeah. pay any attention. Yeah. There's so, so to me, I kind of come down on, on, you know, on the side of like, I think people, I'm always in favor of people making art and trying mm-hmm. things yeah. and putting it out. And I think this is, you know, there's no harm in somebody making a hundred copies of their yeah, book. There's it's no not, harm in, you know, a blurb book or a thing. I don't, you know, I mean, yeah. I think, you know, that's what, you know, what do you, 
It That's is, what artists is, do. Is, is you make is. stuff. You make stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think as long as you're as long as you're making stuff. Yeah. So the next one is kind of a classic. It's a classic, and it's um, Lars Thunborg, who passed away recently. Yes, very, he was very, very sorry to hear that. And I mean, he's have to be one of my the top guitar. I mean, just like the sense of humor, like the color, just his the whole tone. I mean, he just puts it together so well. And you brought Office, and I have not. I remember seeing. The show, I can't remember what the gallery was. I don't know what this gallery was in New York, but I remember seeing the show there. Yep, and I think that's probably where I got signed. Oh, you got and it signed. I think it was, I, I don't have much of a bulletin board at, at, at home, but I do still have the card on the, because uh -huh. again, it was, you know, one of the nice things about being based in New York is you can take yourself along to a mm -hmm. gallery show and with someone you admire and just say hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> will, yeah. You, will you sign my book, please? Yeah, book. yeah. yeah. So, um, so normally... You know, I mean, normally, and then they always say, well, who should I make it out to? And then you have that awkward conversation. <laughs> well, I don't know if I want you to put my name in it, uh, right? you know. Um, what's your, what's your normal go-to? Do you have a, do you have, it's always, always to Brian or, or not? No, I don't, I can't remember the last time I had a book signed. I think they normally do it to Brian. I don't know. I have to get into that routine. You know, I feel like bad. I don't, I should go to, I need to go to more shows. I mean, the smart, I mean, that's the, the thing the, is the smart ones actually, the smart ones yeah. actually don't mind. They don't take it personally because yeah. they, they know you, they, they know, you know, they yeah. might see it as investment. But that yeah. really kind of hits on something. It seems to be like every time I do go to a show, you are there. It's like you're a, you, you, you kind of make it out and you do the socializing and, and like you hit the, you, you take full advantage of it. I mean, because they obviously like, you know, you like looking at good photographs, but is that part of the part of the makeup of being a, a editorial I, photographer? Well, I like, yeah. you know, I like to be social. I like to go out. I'm interested in photography. I like photographers. There you go. It's just <laughs> as simple as that. And yeah. you never know who you're going to meet, yeah. you know, along, along, along the way. Um, you know, we are in New York, so I think it's important to, you know, to take advantage of these mm -hmm. opportunities. Um, and, um, yeah, you just, why not? <laughs> if I'm here, you know, I mean, again, yeah. you know, I mean, I travel a bit, so I don't definitely don't get to everything. Yeah. But, um, and there's, there's, there's good stuff happening. Why not yeah. get out there? And you, again, you don't know who, you, who you're going to meet. You never know what opportunities might present itself. Um, you know, as a freelancer, you're always on the hustle. So got to remind people you're alive. You yeah. got to remind people you're alive. Yes. Tom, Tom yes. I think we got to start, uh, we got to come up with a plan of attack this fall once the uh, gallery season starts again. Oh yeah? I just admit, I feel like, well, but there's other end too, is like you can't see everything in New York City. I mean, it's impossible. So, but I, I do feel, I have, I do have a guilty uh, conscience about missing some pretty good <laughs> photography. I try to get out. I see some stuff, you know. Yeah, it's good to get out every now and again. <laughs> get uh, out, get out from behind the the mic at Stockholm. Studio. But it was a real treat to to meet Lars again. Just have some books on. Just say mm -hmm. hello. Just say mm -hmm. you know. You're just like yeah. Just want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, uh, he, yeah. and he was just great. Just you know, totally yeah. unassuming. Just totally sweet. Just just brilliant. And just what a what a loss. I mean, I I do find myself. You know, in those moments of like needing some inspiration, this is this is this is where you you know this is where I'd go fast. Yeah, it's kind of like it, you get into that. And it's like how how did you see that picture? I mean, a lot of times like when you talk about a personal vision or whatever you want to say, it's like oh, whatever. Well, but when I see something like this, it's like how did you see that photo in this mundane? But, you but I also you? think these pictures because you know the, this picture has been taken mm. countless times since. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. in, a, in a way, you know, the mm -hmm. mundane office photo. But right. in, in these, you know, this, this is really the, you know, I don't know, this is, the, this is, uh, this is really original. And, uh, yeah. And I love how he shoots through things. 
He does that very well. Yeah, see, yeah. I, do, I do that too a little bit. Yeah. Maybe I'm <laughs> you know, you don't know where the influence is, but the, you know. Yeah. But again, it's I just you know I just love it. I also you know I always love these books with the what's that linen? What's the cover on that? Uh, yeah, where they yeah, embed yeah. the picture. I'm always a sucker for that. Oh, the, uh, yeah, the, just the with embossed, the yeah. yeah, with the embedded. That always, yeah. that always, um, and just the um, simplicity of the design in this is just yeah. epic. I just love it. Yeah, I have Vinter, and we had Vinter in episode oh, two. Cool. Of the little, uh, yeah, I got to try. Vinter's, a, Vinter's a definitely a little more more sexy in the in the in the, in yeah. the presentation. Of yeah, the, yeah, um, and, and and the layout and the design. And, yeah. You know. So we had, and this was the next book that you had. And again, I don't want to. Keep saying this, but you, this is really a great stash you brought. Yeah, I, mean, I have to say it is. Uh, <laughs> Almost broke my back. I should have brought my shopping trolley. You brought, yeah, yeah. So this one's this is Kevin Griffiths, Omi Island, Last Man Standing. So the story is here. He was uh, a stuntman. So this is an Irish photographer um, who um, took took photographs in the west of Ireland mm-hmm. in a very remote um, place where a, a retired stuntman um, lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, the, the funny thing is we kind of touched on it before, before we came on air, just about, you know, how, how one goes about buying photo books. And I have to say that I, I have difficulty doing it online. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course I, I do when, when, you know, when you can't find something, but I, I'm definitely remiss of, of the old days when in New York, when you had the, um, what was the place on Mercer street, the photographers, um, you guys are too young. Yeah, uh, it wasn't the photographer's gallery. Oh. That's London. Uh, what was the photographer's place? Oh, on photographer's Mercer Street. Place? Okay. You know where you would where you would literally when I you know when I was here in the nineties you would just wander in there and you had no idea what you were looking at mm-hmm. or looking for and you would just stumble across these gems because you, you know, how would I know what mm-hmm. I'm what I'm what I'm looking at? Um, and at the same time, there used to be a postcard shop around the corner on Prince Street that just had some great postcards and I just remember you know you'd go to the postcard place then you go to you know the photographer's place or vice versa or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I, have, what I like to do um, is if I go home to Ireland, I will go um, into a bookstore there. Mm-hmm. And um, up until recently, it was just the the, the uh, Library of Photography, um, which has, has a pretty good stash of stuff. And now there's a new place called the Library Project, which is mm-hmm. great, literally around the corner, um, run by the guys who, who, who run the uh, Photo Ireland Festival. Um, but, you know, you go in and you just... Obviously, there's the there's the heavy hitters, you know, that that everyone sees. But every now and again, you go in and there's a book that you've absolutely never heard of. It's from local photographer or published locally. And this was the case with this particular book. Mm. Although initially it was um, a picture that was on a postcard yet again that that, <laughs> that drew me to this. Yeah. Um, so the island, Ami Island, is is a tidal island, which means it can be reached um, by sand at various times during the day. So there's a terrific picture in the book. Um, where where there's horse racing when the tide has gone out and and I literally saw the, saw this this um, card and was like wow that just looks great how do I can I can I you know I want a photograph <laughs> yeah um, yeah little did I know it was like part of a series and part of a book uh-huh. um, so I think I just bought this recently um, when I was back um, and um, yeah it's just one of those it's just great it's just great it is I really like it I mean it's there's I just like the blend of photos. I mean, the fact that there's a real story behind the photos too. Right. This guy and the fact that he used to be a he used to be a stuntman and had this really exotic life, and now he you know kind of lives in a trailer yeah. on an island. And we said it before, it's kind of depressing too. It's very, <laughs> very, <laughs> it's, very it's definitely a little heavy. <laughs> yeah, a little heavy. 
but again, you know, it's one of those circumstances where the photographer literally picked up the guy for a hitchhike and then they have a chat and then the court, you know, reading the book that, the, you know, the next day they meet again, have a chat and decide they're going to take some photographs and how, you know, how brilliant, how brilliant is that? I feel like you need to do a postcard project now. Well, I did. Well, that, well, the, the, the room, the, the room. Well, yeah. so my PDN 30 oh. was, so when I, when I, when I knew that I was going to be in, what mm -hmm. I did was postcards mm -hmm. in a homage to um, John Hine. There was mm -hmm. little details that, that reflected the, how a John Hine postcard would be. Mm -hmm. So all with John Hine postcards on the, on the back, there was always like a little map of the country and then there would be a little dot of mm -hmm. where that photograph was taken. So I did the same mm -hmm. thing for my project. It was kind of a shout out. Nice, nice, nice. And the last one we have is National Portraits, Photographs from the 1970s by Daniel Meadows. Um, yeah, Photographs of the UK, black and white, square. Um, and I think you said it when I brought the book in, it looks like it could be an album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it, the it's size probably of it. 12 by 12. Yeah. Um, again, I think I might have seen a postcard from this or, some, <laughs> or something that just kind of drew, yeah. drew me to it. Um, you know, for me... You know, I definitely have a, a, I mean, I think everything I've brought is, is a little nostalgic. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not current. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, you know, there was no Avanon or anything in my photographic youth. You know, it was David Bailey or Terrence Donovan or these, you know, I didn't know about, you know, you know, the great American West or any of this. Uh -huh. So, you know, looking at these photographs, um, you know, again, re it reminds me a little bit of my youth in the 70s, um, just... Um, you know, just whether it be the fashions or the faces or just the style. Um, but again, you know, I do, even in my own work, you know, I do, I do like kind of classical composition. And, mm -hmm. and when I shot film, you know, this, I very much enjoy the square and how, 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 to, how to use the square. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just, uh, you know, this is just one, again, this is another find. I don't know where, I think it's got a, it's got like an English Irish price tag on the back. I just went in and, you know, wow, I just gotta, I just gotta have that. So do you do you get to do you shoot film at all anymore any, no. for any jobs all no. all digital all digital now, yes. now you personal you never no you do have no nostalgia for film no, no nostalgia none at <laughs> no. all um, I don't yeah um, to be honest um, you know I shot film for thirty years mm -hmm. um, and um, you know when I started my parents were great I had a like I had a dark room in my bedroom as a mm. child and we'd pull the we'd pull the curtains at night and I'd get busy and how we didn't die of chemical poisoning. I have no idea. <laughs> I had already slept with the chemicals, you know, with oh, no yeah, lids. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, with the house reeked of yeah. developer and fixer. And, um, I mean, the digital is certainly convenient. I, I don't miss traveling with a couple of hundred rolls of film, mm -hmm. um, at all. <laughs> so where, where are all those pictures from your youth? Do you have them somewhere? Do you have them archived somewhere? Pictures, the, pictures that, that yeah, I yeah that you took when you were a kid. I I regret to say that, yeah. that we had that years ago. My father was cleaning out a house, and I I they all got they mostly got chucked. Oh wow! Yeah. How do you feel about that now? Uh, I feel a little sad about that. Yeah. At the time, it didn't it didn't it didn't mean anything. Uh -huh. um, but what am I going to do with well, another? Yeah, I've got to, I've got a storage unit here full of all you know of uh -huh. of fifteen years here of. 16 years here working with negatives. So how, what's, how, what's the oldest photo you have like in your archive? That how I, far does that, it go that back? That I took? Yeah, that you took. Um, I have a print of something I took in, wow, 83, 84. Wow. 
probably. The year I was born. Wow. <laughs> there you go. What was the photo of? What it was, was a, a cycling race. Because um, I used to, that's what I would, so that's how right. I got, got started. I would, my, my father was um, in Irish television. I was a cameraman, so we always mm. had cameras around the houses, the house. But, um, so he used to take photographs of us as kids, and I used to hate it, absolutely hate it. Um, but then, you know, as a teenager, I was trying to figure out what to do. And obviously I'm interested in sports and I was interested in fashion and music, but I wasn't particularly good at any of them and figured out that if I, if I, I could use the camera to gain access to all these things. Mm -hmm. um, and the school I, I attended was a big rugby school. So I used to, you know, go shoot on the sideline mm -hmm. and then I get to go to the parties and it was all, you know, it kind of worked out perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think that might be the first, the first. I'm not, the print might be somewhere. I have a scan. Maybe I don't have the. I don't well, know, you should share with us. You should Sorry. share with us the you, picture. Yeah, the picture. Of this. I have a scan. Somewhere. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. it looks and it looks like the fifth. You know, looks like, <laughs> looks like it was taken in the fifties. <laughs> well, I mean, with, if you can find it, if you can find it, it'd be oh, great. I have the scan. I have the scan yeah, yeah, great. We'll put it up. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thank you so much. Yeah. I Thanks, mean, this guys. was Appreciate amazing. It. I mean, like the books and stories. I mean, it's just we're so honored to have you here. It's a real treat. Thanks for asking me. Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests, and the photos we discussed by visiting our Tumblr and lpvshow.com. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and co-produced by Tom Starkweather and Eddie Volante. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Thanks again for listening.